The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill football. Amadeo. Can you hand me that football? <laughs> I just are. <laughs> All right. We are live. No luck on those glasses? I need my sunglasses. I lost my sunglasses. This is really frustrating. <laughs> this is... Uh, and nobody can find them. That's not what these people want to hear, though. I'm Del Amadeo. From McManus Amadeo and Grable Associates, and formerly of the Shiawassee Six. Maybe it's like the Shiawassee too. <laughs> and today we're talking about um, online dating profiles. Are you, are you okay? Live audience is expanded. <laughs> we have a wonderful cross-section of community in here right now. And uh, we're going to talk about um, dating apps. You guys all been there, right? <laughs> what you call it? Yeah, I guess. Alright. Oh, yeah. Anyway. You know, that, and I can't find my sunglasses. I'm so pissed off. I'm so burned out. I've had so many cases this week. I'm out of my mind, and I'm going to be weirder than usual. And I got to get some content on. That's okay if I'm weird, though. People like people like the weirdness. Being weird is okay. Embrace it, people. Joe Abera showed me how to see who was stalking my Facebook profile today. Oh my God. Is everybody at the Attorney General's office looking at my profile? <laughs> no, just the one school employee there. Wow. They're scared. Anyway. Hey, Mayor Ken. How are you? So, back in the day, right? Before social media was where it is today, we had AOL as you sort of a dating app. And I just want to tell you something. This truly was gambling. Because you would be talking to people without seeing their picture. So, you're actually getting to know people. Terrifying shit, right? And as we learned throughout the course of my history, I've always been an amazing second choice. <laughs> and AOL was no different. Hey, Brian Lundy's in the house. What do you think of that live audience? Good. Thumbs up, Brian. I want to share a couple stories about Word Warrior 76. <laughs> And Bill and Ammo 23. They were my two AOL aliases. Let me give you some history on that. Bill and Ammo 23 was about Bill Neary Amadeo. Neary was my family's name. And I said this before I was 23. I'm like 19, pretending to be 23. Thinking, oh, those cool older girls are like 24 are going to be into me now. <laughs> it worked on some levels, unfortunately. Word Warrior 76 was a play on me being a failed boxer and a failed writer who was born in 76. Um, let me just tell you guys, on some of these situations, I walked away from the scenarios. In some, I ran. In some, I sped away in my car. <laughs> and in all of them, I ended up okay. But let's, let me tell you about my first AOL experience. It was the hot pink girl. <laughs> And um, me and this young woman hit it off. I'm a sophomore in college. 
and Word Warrior 76 and the Hot Pink Girl having these intense conversations. She knew Atlantic City. I knew Atlantic City. It was such a great connection. And I met her at Tropicana for a date. And uh, I was pretty excited about this. And while I'm there, I see an ex-girlfriend of mine who was home from break from college. I said, hey, how are you doing? She goes, how are you? Now, mind you guys, this is before you were talking on your cell phones like this, right? You weren't texting people back then. So I'm chatting it up. And she's getting really pissed off saying, you know what? I met some guy online. I guess he stood me up. I said, ah, I guess I got stood up too. It took us a few minutes to realize <laughs> that we were the ones talking to each other. She was the hot pink girl. I was Word Warrior 76. And you can imagine how disappointed I was. Because the online persona was nothing like she was in the real world. In the real world, she was horrible to be around. <laughs> but on AOL, she was fascinating at 19 years old. I left Tropicana, as you can imagine. Um, but that wasn't the last time I had an AOL experience. I was a junior in college. I'm at Stockton. And everybody's talking about the AOL apps. And I decided I was going to go after an older woman this time. By older, this time, I thought like late 20s was old. Now that's like a baby. <laughs> Back then, that was the older woman. So I met somebody who was a writer. And she was a professor. And she was all, she read some of my poetry, which by the way sucked. But she said she was really into it. That she's like swimming my head up, like I'm a good writer, and we know I'm not, right? <laughs> we know. Um, and we're going to meet at the movie theater, and I'm all excited, and it's snowing outside, and I see one of my English professors jumping over snow in high heels, right? <laughs> well, hey, what's she doing here? So I go up to her, and say, "Hey, how are you?" She goes, "I can't talk now. I got a blind date." <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it was me! And it was a very weird situation. And she goes, I don't think it's really cool you're going after older women online. I said, I don't think it's cool you prey on young people online. <laughs> Movie sucked. I, um, I don't know. It was just very different. And then... As we evolved on AOL, we learned we could make different profiles. <laughs> so Word Warrior 76 created Bill and Ammo 23. And what Word Warrior would do after a while, after working all day and all, he would log out and Bill and Ammo 23 would log in <laughs> and nobody would be the wiser. That was until I met Martini Girl. <laughs> Martini Girl was a girl in the area who obviously liked martinis. That was her pitch. I'm a martini girl. Oh, I'm bartending. Must be fate. So, Word Warrior 76 is talking to Martini Girl, and they're hitting it off. Word Warrior 76 says goodnight. Bill and Ammo 23 logs on. Bill and Ammo 23 meets Italian Party Girl. And she and Bill and Ammo 23 hit it off until Italian Party Girl admitted 
that she was Martini Girl. <laughs> and Bill and Ammo 23 admitted he was Word Warrior 76. It was fascinating how much these poor people had to come with one another. It seems like a small circle. <laughs> and it, it didn't really go well. But um, things would change in law school. Because in law school, we had MySpace. And MySpace, oh my god, there were pictures. But only headshots. <laughs> and the deception grew. <laughs> You hear people clicking like, I hear what you're saying, you know? People are feeling what I'm saying here. How can he judge the whole wide <laughs> So, <laughs> sorry, one of the live audience members just walked out laughing. MySpace was fascinating, but there were problems with MySpace. At Cooley in 2004, 2005, the problems surrounded about your top eight. The top eight was a relationship killer. I remember talking to one young woman, and I became number two in her top eight. And her longtime boyfriend, who was number four in her top eight, <laughs> wanted to kill me. How'd you become number two? It might be that Seinfeld episode where the speed dial, they moved Jerry to number one. <laughs> it was a bad thing, man. It was just bad. But, um... Some things, they evolved. And there was this one girl from law school who, uh, and you remember something, guys, 2005, you know my sense direction sucks. That is not one of my talents. Let's just be really clear about that. And one time, MySpace almost got me killed. One time, MySpace wanted me to kill myself. <laughs> We'll get into that. Stay tuned. Don't ever go out with someone who say like your poetry on MySpace. Got to learn some lessons the hard way, okay? Really into that poetry. <laughs> so, I met this one girl from law school, and she. What were you saying? I was saying you were into poetry. I was. I was. I was. A, I was an attempted poet. <laughs> I wrote a lot of poetry. Fan club. Yeah. I, I did for 2005? Yeah. <laughs> the depressed cat. Let's not, the, the poetry is very depressing. It was a lot of stories about being a white kid in the ghetto. I can't imagine where I came from. And then they tried to kill me again. I survived with the strength of my Aunt Mary in the church. <laughs> okay. Okay, listen. <laughs> One thing's for sure, I've never complained about being a poor white kid from the ghetto. That's not something that comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Damn. So, this one girl in law school, she lives in, like, what I thought was the woods of Lansing. You gotta understand something. No GPS. I'm a Jersey kid. I don't know what the hell's going on. She gives me this address. I'm like, map quest. You go to map quest, there's always one wrong turn. <laughs> so, she says, hey, are you coming over? Like, I've been driving for, like, 20 minutes. I can't find where you live. She goes, well, make a right by the green dumpster. That was helpful in the middle of the night. So we get to her house, and we had classes together, this girl. And I think, 
you, knew, you thought you knew someone, right? It wasn't like those AOL crazy things. Now we knew someone. And I am at her house, and I see all these deer heads on the wall. All these shotguns, right? Like, oh, you're quite the hunter, I see. And she's like, no, I'm not, but my husband is. Oh, did you guys recently break up? No, no, we're very happily married. Well, wait a minute. It's like 1230, I'm at her house. You and your husband are happily married, and I see these shotguns everywhere. can imagine fear starts to set in a little bit. She tells me, don't worry, he doesn't get off work till late. Well, it's like 1230. I got no other, I don't know where I went, but eventually I found my way back to Village Green. Define late. Well, you know, to me, 12.30 was late in law school. And I don't know who this dude is, but I see these shotguns. I'm going to get killed. Because of goddamn MySpace. But you gotta remember, if you think you're a talented writer, that does not mean you are a talented writer. It means you think you're a talented writer. And for some reason, in law school, I thought I was like the White Langston Hughes. I would write some weird stories about Atlantic City on a MySpace post, and and people would be like, eating this shit up. Oh my god, he almost got killed again! Did you make it? Well, clearly I'm in torts with you, so I must have survived. <laughs> That's okay. So this one young woman, she says she likes my poetry. Now, if you know me, I've always been a bit of an egomaniac. So... This person saying, like, my poetry, that was all it took for me. Like, <laughs> this must be someone I should go out with. They like my lousy poetry. Um, yeah, and then I was deceived. I ended up hanging with this girl for a while. She ended up failing out of law school. And before she left, I had secure transactions this one term. She took a cup of coffee. And she dropped it all on my secure transactions book. And if you remember secure transactions at Cooley... It was the one open book test you had. So you put marks on your secure transaction book. She literally destroyed that book. This was on purpose? This was on purpose. She was pissed off. And she was pissed off because I was done with her. Like, you know how... Okay. How do I put this? Other than Kara, my experience is the first three to six months you're dating someone, they're putting their best foot forward. It's a honeymoon. Right. But after that, if they're crazy, the crazy comes out. Now, if you have somebody who failed out of law school, we double that speed. The three to six month period becomes the one to three month period. <laughs> and by month two and a half, I knew I had a problem on my hands. She would say I have to go home, but she moved all her stuff in. She would say she liked my cats. I would see her reading stories on how cats are evil. <laughs> Concern for Winston Bianca right now. This led to a horrible series of events where I had to change the locks on my door to get her out eventually. She finally moved out of state. But it was all because she liked my poetry on MySpace. Really, all it took back then, guys, was like... A decent look on to say they found something interesting about me. I was like, oh my god, let me buy you dinner. I was really dumb back then. Thank god I improved slightly since then. Um, yeah. Another thing I would advise is 
You shouldn't date grocery store clerks that are stalking your MySpace profile. <laughs> McManus is shaking his head furiously. No, no, no. There was this uh, grocery store clerk, right? And she, I guess, DMs me, would you call it, or a message back then. Says, hey, you always shop at Myers, and I've noticed you. I'm like, wow, this is something I should invest some time <laughs> Mistake. I asked her, what kind of movies do you like? Well, I like the laugh. Like, oh, okay. You like comedies? No. <laughs> what, do you, what do you find funny then? I took her to a movie, right? And the whole night, she keeps whispering in my ear, what does this mean? So she was really dumb. Um, really bad. And I went out with her strictly because she approached me on MySpace. That was really weird. Understand the stalkerish issue. And I've been guilty of this, right? If somebody stalks me, I usually was honored without realizing this is a dangerous person you shouldn't be around. Wait, what's Mike P say? I broke up with this girl once and she started stalking me. I didn't answer the door anymore, and she dropped off a freshly cooked beef roast with potatoes and carrots in the big roasting pot thing. <laughs> Mike, did you eat the food? I, too, have fallen for the food being left at the apartment door. Which one of us hasn't? Oh, it's a gift. <laughs> the Trojan horse. Sometimes in the entryway. Um. <laughs> All right. We evolved to Facebook. And in Facebook, you got to know more about people. There was no top eight. Now, it was things of substance. You weren't meeting people because they're cool theme songs. <laughs> I mean, who didn't fall for that? Oh my god, she's putting yellow card on her MySpace page. I should invest some time in her. Exactly. What I learned on Facebook, you should never go out with somebody just because they like Seinfeld. Learn some things the hard way. Second time you got thrown by a CD in the mail. First Columbia House, then AOL. Never again. Oh, man. So, anyway, listen. The moral of the story is, I think things were simpler during the AOL times, don't you? I mean, we didn't know what was going on. We were actually meeting people based on what they said as opposed to what they looked like. The element of surprise was there. MySpace, we got catfished based upon fake photos, music choices, and top eight. Weren't we, come on, weren't we all flattery made to that top eight? When we made to that top eight, we're thinking, oh shit, I must be important. Status. Without realizing they were using you to piss off the other people they bumped out of the top eight. And the person they bumped out of the top eight, they wanted to kill you because you were in the top eight. And all you wanted to do was get a break from studying. 
Next thing you know, you see some crazy guy with guns and deer heads on the wall. You get some crazy grocery clerks chirp, like stalking you. My space when people became mature. Now we learned about them. And by the way, this is long before the girls start changing their names from Mary Smith to Mary Elizabeth, because that's their middle name. And I think that's all I got right now. That was 20 minutes of rambling. I can't go any further, because, I mean, this won't be good for business. This is a true We're, we're going to stop right now. I appreciate the live audience all jumping in. Oh, yeah. We tripled it. And, uh... <laughs> I still can't find my goddamn sunglasses. <laughs> you know, one day, my son's gonna watch this shit and say, what the hell was wrong with my father? Well, that's the thing. That's well, the thing, man. Internet, it, now it's saved forever. That's Thank God his mother has a good head on her shoulders. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Don Amadeo from uh, McManus and Amadeo and Greenwood Associates and the Attorney General's favorite defense lawyer. The Jail Visit with Attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. We're going to talk about the political spectrum. What happens in the political spectrum. Lucky enough for me, I've been courted by both Republicans and Democrats, so I could speak about the bullshit on the left and the right of the political half circle. We'll share some stories. Then my time behind the bar. Why do people send stuff back to a restaurant? I mean, are you out of your mind? Let me... Let's stop for a minute. Okay, okay, but... You order a steak somewhere, and the steak's not great. You just run with it, right? You, can't, you run with it, okay? You don't send that back to the kitchen. You also have when that thing gets back to the kitchen? Oh, man. I'm very happy to say my bartending career was before my legal career. And as such, I have some stories to tell. Just eat steak. Okay. Anyway, let's start it up. I gotta tell you, when you are a young white kid from the ghetto, there are so many interesting political opportunities that come your way. You are like the Republican Party's wet dream when you make it because they're like, oh wow, he came from nothing and he believes in this. Or maybe I just want to pay less in taxes. You're the Democrats dream because they think you understand struggle. I mean, we get to the point when it's all bullshit on both sides, right? So I'm going to tell you some tales tonight of some different experiences I've had in po with politics. In Lansing, for one. Let's start with Camille Andrews. Rob Andrews was a congressman from New Jersey. Democrat. And I helped Rob Andrews get a ton of votes. And his wife was the dean at Rutgers Law School back in the day. So as payback for me helping Rob get votes in the inner city, she was going to take a chance on me going to Rutgers. Now understand something about Rutgers Law. 
this was not a scholarship. I was going to pay my full freight. I just want a chance to compete at Rutgers. I was promised everything under the sun. Once Rob Andrews won, then the seat was not available. I mean, is that really that shit? It's it's amazing with politics. It's like when somebody is running, they will tell you anything. My aunt used to have this saying, vote for me, I'll kiss your ass. And after I'm in, you could kiss mine. And that was good stuff. And perhaps nothing was more prevalent about that than Governor Jim McGreevy. Jim McGreevy was the governor of New Jersey, and he needed huge union votes, right? So McGreevy talks to me. I had a lot of Vietnamese and Hispanic following of young people. I would get to vote and register them to vote. Help McGreevy out. McGreevy gets me on Rutgers' waiting list for this. And then McGreevy comes out that he was a gay American, and he resigned from office. Within 24 hours of resigning, I got my dismissal letter from Rutgers. But I think the best is Lansing politics. So here's what happened, so we understand each other. I'm tutoring full-time. And I'm really out of my mind with this whole thing. I'm tutoring and I'm supporting Aunt Mayor. And I get this idea to run for Lansing politics. What really happened, the true story there is, I was really bored. There was nothing good on TV. And I started watching House of Cards. And Kevin Spacey was the man. Frank Underwood. I said, wow, I'd really like to get involved in politics. At my office in Lansing was somebody named Jake Davison, who was a political advisor. Now, I hired Jake Davison. I guess the first hint why this was not a good idea is when Jake was getting evicted from the office for failure to pay rent. And Jake had, like, his father and a few other people move this old ratty desk out because he had to hang on to the desk. Um, Jake, I know he's involved with some political bullshit in Lansing. He literally took money from me, didn't do work. He would show up to meetings drunk. And as it turns out, many people in Lansing politics didn't like him. He actually cost me votes. This is my campaign manager. I was paying him $1,500 a month. And he goes, if you give me another $1,500, I'll get working on your website. So he shows me the homepage for the website. Now, me not knowing anything at this point, like, holy shit! It says Amadeo for city council! Here's your another $1,500! Please keep going on it. He's sending, like, text messages, right? We really want to get moving on this. We need another $1,500 to get the infrastructure together. <laughs> well, I need the infrastructure. It made sense, right? I'll give it this guy another 1500 bucks. He comes in and he shows me the homepage of the unactive website again. I, I can't stand Jake Davison. And one time he charged me because he was at a breakfast meeting with a bunch of Lansing people, and Verge Monero was there. You know Verge, right? <laughs> Former mayor, he's had some issues. But he goes, because Verge Monero is here, and I introduced you, you gotta add hours to my bill. It made sense at the time. It was like that person who owes you money, 
They like owe you five grand, but they ask you for another grand. It's like, well, shit, I want to get the five back. Let me give them the others without realizing the guy just stiffed you for five. Dude, it's over. It's like a bad relationship. It was like somebody trying to hang on to an unattractive person because they make you feel lousy about yourself. I don't want to go it alone. Uh, I cannot say enough bad things about Jake Davison. He screwed me so bad as my campaign manager. And uh, I realized, I've always said that I'm way too conservative for Washtenaw County and way too liberal for Shiawassee, so I kind of fit in everywhere. Lansing politics, man. But we move up, right? And we know some of my stories about Donald Trump. The Trumpster, President Trump. Let me just say this. I knew Trump personally, and I got to meet Hillary Clinton personally. Let me tell you about the 2016 election, because let me just... I know books and documentaries and all this stuff have been written. Let me make this real easy for you. When you meet Trump, he finds out things about you. He makes you feel important. He sells you on you. When you meet Hillary Clinton, she tries to sell you on her. So I don't care where you stand in the political spectrum. I'm just telling you. Donald Trump is a far better salesperson than Hillary Clinton. At the end of the day, isn't politics all sales? If you want to win, right? And, I mean, I see people kill themselves over hundreds of dollars. Not big money. I mean, Jesus Christ. I can tell you, I have been recruited by the right-wingers, recruited by the left-wingers, and I swear to you guys, we desperately need a third party in this country. I don't vote party line. I vote for the candidate. I vote for the platform. Um, I think if you vote Democrat 100% of the time, or if you vote Republican 100% of the time, you've lost your own train of thought. I just don't understand it. Um, but it is what it is. Let's move on to some kitchen stories. So, during what we've learned about politics, is that why I don't often, or ever, since Lansing, run for politics, I often give money to candidates. And when you give money to candidates, you go to a lot of functions. And at these functions, there's a lot of drinking. But with lawyers, not a lot of tipping, it would appear. I don't understand people being bad tips. But how many functions have we been to with lawyers when I'm giving like extra money to waiters? Hey, sorry about them. Don't judge them. Wow, oh, God. Okay, first of all, tipping is extremely important. I gotta tell you, I made my money bartending before law school, helped support my family, and I believe tipping is an essential part of society. And lawyers are not great tippers, as a general rule. But here's what we've learned. It's fascinating when you worked in the bar and then attended the bar, because you see both sides of it. I've always said, I've learned more behind the bar than ever did study for the bar. Trust me on this one. 
let's talk about pissing off waiters. If you go out to eat and your food is not good, here's what you got to do. You got to suck it up, buttercup, as Danielle Cattery would say. Just eat the food or don't eat and still tip good and go eat somewhere else, but don't send that food back. Of course, in the restaurant world, there's this chain, right? This hierarchy. Let's explain it, shall we? The bus people, they bring your water out, they're setting your plate, and they're like on the low end of the totem pole, these poor guys. They're hopefully getting tipped by the waitress or waiter, but they're really getting screwed over. They make less, they do the shit work. Yeah, they throw the garbage out, they clear the dishes. The waiter, the waitress, it's all set up for them. And they're bringing the food out. And they are the bell of the balls. They are the princes and princesses of the food industry. But they have to answer to supervisors. Now, from my history, many of the supervisors were like guys in their mid-30s with a 10-year-old BMW trying to get with a good-looking 19-year-old waitress. Guys that couldn't make it in the real world, but they had a little bit of control in the food industry. And the waiter, the waitress, usually the waitress, is hooking up with the restaurant manager who makes her schedule. Then she orders the busboy around a little bit, but she really wants to be hooking up with the line cook. So the line cook gets pissed off when she brings the food back. Because the idiot lawyer doesn't like the steak being cut. So the line cook who she's trying to get with is annoyed. The waiter, or waitress I should say in this situation, wants to get her tip from the customer. So she's kissing the customer's ass. She's not treating the busboy well. And the restaurant manager is trying to prey on all these insecurities in order to try and get success in the social run. You got all these things going, right? You got the cooks that are frustrated. You got the managers who are pissed off they failed in life. You got the busboy who's just trying to move on. You got the waitress who realizes this is not the career she wanted. And they're all dealing with the asshole lawyer who doesn't like their steak. Bro! Just eat the steak. Don't send shit back. Because let me tell you what happens. When that waitress is having a bad night, and you send that food back. There are some horrible things that happen to that food. I have seen food that has been spit on. I've seen urination in food. I've seen other types of bodily functions in food. I mean, common sense. Do you really want to piss off somebody that's handling edible things you're going to ingest horrible idea and if you just thought about the hierarchy for a minute holy shit she's not happy she's hooking up with the way um manager she wants me to be the line cook but she thinks the line cook's not as good as the manager the bus boy is just striving to get to her position and here you are in your three-piece suit bitching the steak's too tough bro come on am i wrong Jesus Christ. We knew this one lawyer. He would have this scam for eating for free. 
it was messed up. He would order two things, right? Eating extra. He would order two appetizers. Or two mains, right? I'll give you the steak and the tuna. He would take like six bites of the tuna and say it wasn't good and send it back. So in essence, he ate like half a meal of tuna for free. Okay, this is the type of shit that gets you beat up in a restaurant, people. And when I say beat up, I'm talking like Nino Shibeta beat up where they put glass in your food you don't realize it. Oh my god. And you remember, now I was bartending before the internet was big on the phone. So you're like desperate for conversation, right? I want you to think about this. I'm not in law school. I'm... I have a phone, which we would not text much back then because we have to see it hit like the one button three times. You just make conversations. And I gotta tell you, when we had to talk more, holy shit. And what would we talk about as the bartenders? The bartenders had a different perspective than the waiters. What we did as bartenders was we made the drinks. We got a cut of the money or whatever. But when a waiter was mistreated by a customer and to deal with shit from the cook they took it out on the busboys and the bartenders the bartenders in the service bars first the front bars were night and day because in the front bar you're communicating with other people in the service bar you're communicating with your co-workers i gotta tell you after a while you just want to you can't stand your co-workers anymore you're all pissed off at your station in life at least with the customers, it was fresh meat. I don't know about that, Samuel, but I heard that he graduated from Harvard. Let's talk about that. As opposed to the waiter who's telling you again about his divorce. She wants to take custody of the kids. Yeah, I heard that last week. The best thing was union events. Oh, man. Union events were when waiters and bartenders became the customers. Now, you would think, right, common sense. They're going to hook up these people, right? Let me tell you, when they got drunk, holy shit. It was bad, man. Remember one time I was bartending at a Domino's event. There's a bunch of Domino's executives. Now, first of all, Domino's pizza shit. If you don't believe me, go try some and take some Pepsi, they say. I mean, was that the worst pizza in the world? We've all suffered through Domino's at one point in our life, right? When you were starving, though, Domino's was okay. It was the only thing opened. Domino's was horrible. Just really bad pizza. We're at this Domino's event. I'm bartending. And what a group of assholes. And when they said the executives of Domino's, I want you to think about this. Everybody got a free ride here. It was like, here's the CEO, here's the corporate managers, and here's the local guy working down on Sporf Street. And it was their night to shine. Remember one time I said to this one Domino manager, he goes, I want a Bud Light said, sir, I'm sorry, we're out of Bud Light right now. Can you do a Coors Light? No, asshole. I said Bud Light. I'm the customer. I want this. Let me tell you. 
I could have taken that shit though and just shoved it down his throat at that point. Oh my god. Alright. And I always loved when people took the water bottles out of the service bars. They would fill it up with vodka to leave. Bartenders that drink during work. Ugh. That's just a bad idea. Alright. What do we learn from this? Let's wrap this up. Because we're at the 20-minute mark. Number one. Don't send food back. Bad idea. Understand the play of the wait staff. When politicians are running for office, they'll tell you anything you want to hear. And after they get in, they could be assholes until they're running again. And whether you are Republican or Democrat, politics is kind of a crime in and of itself. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. I gotta change a lot of names and time frames because, man, there are some people out there that would just love to sue. And I want you to understand some of the defamation. Can't sue for telling the truth, even if you're shitting on somebody. We might shit on a few people today. Anyway, the year was late '90s. We'll start with that. Cool. Yeah. All right. In the late '90s. Um, things were weird for me. You know, this Lexi was really a pain in the ass. And, and let me say this to my enemies today in Michigan. What a difference between, like, Ann Arbor enemies and Atlantic City enemies. I mean, Atlantic City, they want to slit your throat. Ann Arbor, they want to post about you under an anonymous name on YouTube. We don't like him. (laughs) And then you got the the ones that love you use their real names. Then the fake idiots use fake names. I mean, if you want to talk shit, could you just be a man about it? Or a woman about it? Hey. I don't like him, and here's what I have to say. Yeah. I hate people hiding behind stuff. It'd be like, I don't know, like, public official giving private emails to somebody they have a right to. But, um, <laughs> but I digress. So amazing, man. Just to hear all these rumors and stuff. And let's go back to the Union days. It's the late 90s. I'm in college still. And there was this whole thing going on with the singing bartender. The singing bartender, she was actually very talented, was a bartender in Atlantic City who was a professional singer. And Tropicana put her in Tiffany Lounge. And Tiffany Lounge was the premier bar at Tropicana. The problem was she wasn't a union member, so she bumped people in seniority. And this caused a riff. And I got involved... And I was defending the Tropicana bartenders, the bar reporters and such. And I got, like, union acclaim. I gotta tell you, some of the idiots from the union, I, I love organized labor. But I'll tell you, they elect dumber people in the Democratic Party sometimes. You know? I <laughs> mean, Jesus. Yeah, I, I'm on Democrats tonight. I, yeah, you got a problem with it, it's fine. And believe, I'm not some hardcore Republican. I'm just, my God. <laughs> this last election. Holy <laughs> Some of the Dems that won that were incumbents. I mean, not only were they doing a bad job, they could have just mailed it in. 
I gotta tell you, the absentee ballots, guys, whether you're Republican or Democrat, if somebody is sick or in the military or can't get to vote, that should be allowed. But why the hell should an able-bodied person just be able to mail in? And growing up in Atlantic City, here's what we're going to talk about the union elections, I saw more corruption in politics with bullshit mail-in ballots than anything I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of shit. This mail-in ballot stuff, if you want to vote, which is your constitutional right, get off your ass if you're capable and go down to the polls. My God, do we not see how things get scammed? Jesus. But I don't like the Republicans either, right? I'm, just, I'm sick of everybody. But my God, we have to see a bias with mail-in votes, right? Yeah. Jesus. Dana's going to charge me for that? Saying that? <laughs> I mean, I know she charged Berkman and Wool, but Jesus Christ. I'm not threatening anybody, Dana, so you can watch this video. I know you guys will talk shit about me. That's fine. So I'll be very clear for the Attorney General, anybody else that wants to watch. I don't think mail-in ballots should be a thing unless you legitimately cannot make it to the polls. Get your ass to the polls and let the true election happen. Whoever wins, wins. We gotta protect elections. And I learned about the corruption elections from my time with Local 54. Bob McDevitt is still the president of Local 54. And I never saw somebody... Local 54 is amazing to me. Never anywhere else in the country could somebody as stupid, as unattractive as this guy, be king of this small area. I mean, this is a guy who really dumb it's like this big red-headed bully and bob mcdevitt had his followers and the election i got involved in the first one i got involved in it was really fascinating carl rutledge who passed away he would kiss bob mcdevitt's ass so bad and bob mcdevitt in local 54 it was like a cult they used to like give these poor souls that had nothing going on in their life this meaning, hey, give us some money and get us some votes and we'll make you feel like you're part of the team. It was really sad. I mean, there was such a group of morons that were part of the McDevitt administration. And then there were some brilliant people. Steve Chertel, brilliant man. Steve Chertel told me to get the hell out of Atlantic City and go to law school. Appreciate that. Al Siciliano, smart guy. Could probably that would fire him. Um, so in this election, you got McDevitt and his crew. Then you had some other morons. And some smart people. This one guy thought he was like the guru of the mafia. You go against him, it's going to be payback time. He thought he was a tough guy, he really wasn't, but he was this very arrogant idiot who thought he was going to be king of the world. Then there were these two other poor souls. They all got together and they ran. And McDevitt wins the election. Let me tell you what happened to me during the election. Because I was initially running. I'm 22 years old. I'm a senior at Stockton. I am bartending at Tropicana. Bought my aunt mama house a couple years ago. And I'm running for union president. 
Now, as you can imagine, this was not taken kindly by certain people. Because the powers that be thought I was going to hurt somebody. Eventually, I backed McDevitt, because that's what Carl Rutledge wanted me to do. And backing Bob McDevitt would be like endorsing the Titanic for a cruise trip. Okay, it's just, he's an idiot. And Bob, if you're out there listening, yeah, you know. You and Joe Clary, I mean, oh, I can tell the stories. We're going to help you get into law school if you help us. Uh, so many bullshit stories by Bob McDevitt. But I will say this. Um, during this election, some very interesting things happened. For one, the DG and the FBI questioned me. They wanted to know if I had information on one of the people running for office. And they come up the top of the trap where I was bartending one day, and they pull me out. Now, kids, listen to this carefully. You, just like me, do not have to talk to the police. And I told the FBI agent, I don't like the guy you're investigating. I don't know what he's got going on. And if I did, I'm not going to talk about it. See, in Atlantic City, guys, we had this thing called honor, believe it or not. While there was a lack of class, we didn't go tell on people, go tattling the teacher about things that involve us. And I want you to understand something. If I can't stand somebody and there's a chance to sh- on them i will not do that if you stay away from me and my inner circle i'll stay away from you and they were lessons from atlantic city lessons that some people in washington county simply don't understand i mean i know those ivy league law schools they must not teach it no yeah so with that being stated it just blows me away i've had more shit said about me that are lies i mean and there was this joke in Wall Street, too, and it's a statement I learned from Atlantic City. If you stop lying about me, I'll stop telling the truth about you. And when the FBI gathers me in this small room at Tropicana, I'm at the top of the Trop Bar attending on the 20th floor. They make me come down to like this basement area, and there's six FBI agents and DG, Department of Gaming Enforcement, and they're saying, you better tell us what we know or else we're going to charge you. Like, charge me with what? Very pissed off that I did not cooperate that day. After not cooperating, um, some other things happened. Had my tires slit. There's nothing quite as fun as taking a date to the Atlantic City Boardwalk coming back and having your tires slit. That happened. Sugar in the gas tank was another good one. There was so much going on with union elections. So much corruption. And many of the people won because of absentee ballots. It was such a hardship to go down to the union hall and vote, right? It's unbelievable, man. Um, it was at that point I ran to Donald Trump again. And Trump told me to go to law school. Donald Trump was involved in the union negotiations at the time because he owned four casinos at the time, and Donald Trump took a liking to me. And I want to tell you, 
fascinating situation, Local 54. Such a powerful segment of organized labor that continued to elect moron after moron after moron. I know today Al Tobias running, who's a much better candidate, Bob McDevitt, people don't vote for him. I never understood how somebody could do a shit job to get reelected because they're an incumbent. They have such an advantage. What I learned about Local 54's elections were it wasn't about the best candidate. It was about who ran the best campaign. And that's a motto that unfortunately rings true today. Look, guys, whether you stand to the left or the right political half circle. Are you really happy with the way things are right now? Are we happy with gas prices? Are we happy with the tax rates? Are we really happy with race relations? I mean, let's be real. I mean, and people playing the race card wrongfully when there's so much racism in the criminal justice system that's being overlooked. Shocking. It's amazing how young minorities get charged with CSCs, but young white kids get passes. But I guess they get the passes if you don't know certain people in charge, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Where are we at right now? I mean, whether you are a true blue or red person, will you look at the candidate? And that's what blew me away about this election. I've been fooled many times. How many times have I voted for wrong people? It just happens, right? And these bullshit mail-in ballots. My God. What we're doing with mail-in ballots is we're encouraging people to be lazy. Stop. One of the fascinating stories of this election was there was a girl I was dating. I'm a kid. Beautiful girl. And she was also the mistress of this guy who was head of the mafia, who's now in prison for life. And one day, he pulls up. I'm working in the showroom at Tropicana. And I'm walking out with her. And he pulls up in his limousine by the employee parking lot. She jumps in. He goes, you're that union kid. I don't like you. And he wiped the cocaine off his nose. She jumped in the car. And this was local 54 elections at its finest. During the election, I had my tires slit. I had sugar put in my engine. I had a mafia member basically steal my girl. By the way, she looks horrible today, and he's in prison. So I, that worked out well, yeah. actually, for me. Yeah. Just a very interesting time, yeah. Uh, in addition to that, I got a lot of death threats. I'll say this. When we're going Michigan, New Jersey, death threats in New Jersey are more serious, but they don't have a spell. They, like, do really bad, like, notes they leave on the car. Going to kill you. You, not Y-O-U. In Michigan... They send you strongly worded letters. We're going to send you to the ethics board. <laughs> yes. 
So, while I was a young kid exposed to a union election, it's really fascinating because I feel there was more balls in the union election I've ever seen in elections out here, less than elect. The right answer is be somewhere in the middle, right? For you 22-year-old kids out there, my advice is number one, don't run for union office. Number two, make sure your college girlfriend is not the mistress of a guy who runs the mafia. And number three, don't talk to the FBI for no reason. All right. Anything else to add right now? I think they covered it, right? Yeah, good job. All right. All right. See you soon. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.